Hey everyone, this is episode 11 of the Activate podcast with John Rivers. My name is Eric English, and first off, I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. This is a podcast episode that I've really, really been looking forward to release. John's become a wonderful friend over the last five years, and we've really built a great friendship during that time. I was blessed to sit down with John the end of last year, uh, around the middle of December, to have this discussion. And there were so many different things that we wanted to cover, but in an effort to keep things focused, I think you'll be very pleased with where I directed the conversation with John. John's the founder of Four Rivers Smokehouse. They now have 14 locations. And in addition to that, they just launched a food truck in Disney Springs Cantina, Four Rivers Cantina Food Truck. John's very excited about that. And then also the Coop Restaurant. Good Southern comfort food. And and in fact, that's where the episode was recorded. So you'll hear some of the background noise in the restaurant Uh, We're sitting at one of the tables in the back. During John's leadership at Four Rivers, and as he's grown his business, I was very fascinated to look from the outside and really dig deeper with John on how he's maintained this special culture and ultimately the the mission that he originally founded the company on. So that's where we, we take a lot of the conversation. And then Then also how he puts faith first, how he's very, very involved in the in the community, how he gives back a lot. And I think that, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, whether you're a leader in the community or you're just looking for inspiration and you're a team member, maybe inside a company, you can appreciate many, many of the different points John has to make. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the show. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Thank you, Eric. My pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I'm sitting here with John right now in one of his restaurants, The Coop, right here in Winter Park. And if you haven't been here before, it's a little tempting not to want to have a plate of food in front of us right now. (laughs) I'm hungry, (laughs) as always. And you started here early, so I'm sure you are. Well, John has uh, now grown Four Rivers to 14 locations and we're going to dive into that some plus some other restaurant brands the coop we just mentioned the cantina at disney springs uh but i've asked john to give the audience the origin story and you can include in that john what you'd like anything from college to meeting your wife monica just share how did you get to winter oh, park goodness. how did you get to winter park? all the way back to 1965 <laughs> if you want <laughs> um we'll probably start with um you know focus it on the opening of the smokehouse I did meet Monica in Texas, and I often say that I went to Texas after I graduated college and I met the two loves of my life, Monica, my beautiful wife, and Brisket. Right there. (laughs) Growing up in Florida, Jacksonville, you you didn't have beef brisket. You didn't have beef, period, for a barbecue. I grew up going to Sonny's and Woody's and 
Bono's and all those places. So I knew pork and I knew chicken and actually barbecue was a special place for sure. me because that's where my grandpa and I used to go every Wednesday afternoon together uh, up until the time that I moved away and he passed on. Mm. So that, that always held a very special, enduring uh, place in my heart. So I always loved to cook as well. And um, so I ended up going into healthcare, and I was in healthcare for 20 years, and that's what brought me out to Texas to begin with. And then it moved me all over the country. And one of the nice things about that is, as I moved everywhere, I got to try different barbecue. Sure. And then when I got to a position that I traveled every week, it really opened up, you know, the opportunity for me to try different regions. And literally, I was eating barbecue every single week, at least once or twice, in different places in the country for about 15 years in a row. Mm. And I uh, loved it. Just absolutely loved it the whole time. I was trying to hone in my barbecue, my brisket recipe in particular, which is the hardest of all the meats to cook. Right. So I was. Uh, it was. Um, there was a little girl back in uh, 2005 in our community that had cancer that we found out about, mm-hmm. and um, you know, God kind of stirred my heart at the end of the day to, to help her and help her family. She was a kindergartner, very similar to my daughter Cameron at the time. And uh, they wouldn't take money from me, um, but they would let me do a barbecue for little Megan at their church. And uh, the irony and the funny part of the story is, you know, I offered to do this for them. I'm like, yeah, I got, you know, I got a little smoker in my backyard, and, you know, I'd be happy to put something together for your friends. You know, invite anybody that you want to, is what I told. The uh, community of that. Yeah, yeah, it turned into 450 people, you know, showed up for this event. And I always say it was, you know, by the grace of God that we fed all those people sure. and we raised all the money because we didn't have the equipment, we didn't have the storage, we didn't have anything. Thank God you had the food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness it all showed up. Well, that lit a uh, passion for me. Um, and it's funny, it, it, I say lit, it really reminded me mm. or relit something that was always in my heart because I, I, love, I love cooking. And I wanted to own a restaurant and they run long and you know, kind of forget it over the years and went into healthcare, but that opened up my passion and what it was was really, I remember that night after the event um, being just deadbeat tired and telling Monica just how I want to do this and I, she asked me, what do what? I couldn't articulate it necessarily at the time, but you know what it was? It was you know, remembering that, what that passion was for cooking, right? You know, so finding my passion and doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't for money, you know, it wasn't for fame, it wasn't for any of that. It was you know, helping other people and you know, doing God's will. And people always have to ask me, you know, how do you find happiness? So many times we mistake and happiness coincides with making more money. Um, and it's not. And I know a lot of people who make a lot of money and they're far from being happy. And pa- totally happiness great. When you combine your passions and doing it for the right reasons, you know, for helping other people do that as well. So that very moment, that second, we started our barbecue ministry. And Monica and I, for the next four years out of the garage, anytime kids or schools or churches need money, I'd offer, I'd offer to write them a check. But I'd also, for the big ones, I'd say, hey, you want me to pull out yeah. my smoker? And it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger over these four years, and we do a bigger events, and Monica would just give me a hard time. She she's just doing this so you can get bigger smokers. Yeah, yeah right. The whole time. She was right. You know, it's good. Because I did. I had a lot of smokers, a lot of big ones. And that last year, during those four years, okay, about halfway through, something changed in me. And the thing that became apparent was the person that I was Monday through Friday when I went into the office 
was not the same person that I was in my spirit on Saturdays and Sundays when I was doing the ministry. And I'm very big on consistency of character and right. person. You know? Right. You know, and the challenge is, you know, I often ask people, is the person you are at work mm-hmm. the same person that you are at home? Is that person the same as goes to church right. on Sundays? And I'm sure in the healthcare position that you were in, you had to put on your shrewd business hat and I did. Making, making deals and yeah, yeah. completely opposite from this this mission now that you oh. fell in love with. Oh yeah, you know I always joke <laughs> that the parent, you know, visual difference was you know the coat and tie, money to right, the, right. You know, and smoke, <laughs> right, and shorts and a t-shirt, and I loved it, and that disparity became so great. I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was cheating uh, myself, uh, God, what He intended me to, and the company that was paying me. And you know, and I always tell my folks, if you're not doing something you're passionate about, first bring passion into what you're doing. Right. That'll change your whole environment. It changes your confidence and everything that's around you. And if you still can't be happy about it, if you're faking it, go do something that makes you happy. Mm. And uh, I found myself in that same situation. So one day I decided I was going to retire at the end of the year. Um, and I did so. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So many people think that I had this great plan. And I, no, you made a decision. Yeah. People don't act. Yeah. That's the biggest thing you decided. Yeah. Yeah, right. you know, you hear a lot of people talk, mm-hmm. and they rant, you know, they tell you about their frustrations and stuff, but right. they're not willing to make that step to make a real change. Sure. Well, I, I left, and, you know, I didn't have a plan to open up a restaurant. You know, I, I just knew I wasn't in the right place. That was another lesson, learned too, that sometimes, in order to get to the right place, you have to take yourself out of the wrong place. Mm. And the longer that we stay in the environment, Quite frankly, we're getting comfortable. Comfortable with the pay, comfortable with the routine, and comfortable with the unhappiness and complaining. And that's a that's a dangerous place to be in life. It sure is. Because you will get stuck. Yeah. It's like a flat tire. You get stuck there and you can't move on. And um, you know, I pulled myself out of that and I said, you know what, I'm just going to do the ministry and see where God leads me. And sure enough, two years later, you know, the ministry got so big in our garage that last year we had served 40,000 people. And um, the joke is that we had, you know, Monica kick me out of the house because we were making such a big mess. The truth is, you know, we had to get somewhere licensed. Somewhere to put the equipment, the sauces. So we opened up our first little one in Winter Park. Back in 2009, we had no idea what we were doing at all. You know, that uh, that little place, we had these grandiose, you know, original plans. Well, I wanted to be a manufacturer. I was going to manufacture brisket in there. Right, right. And manufacture sauce. And I, food. and I said, we would run the ministry on the weekends, and any food we had left over, you know, we would put it on the front line, and... You know, people can come in. If people came in, I remember saying that, you know, we'll have some food that we can feed them. And uh, we had no clue what we were getting into. I'll save you all the challenges of what it was to open it. But, it, you know, one thing I will say is that when you do start stepping into your dream and your passion, you know, you better be willing to fight for it. Mm. Because if it was easy, yeah. quite frankly, everybody, everybody would be do doing it. it. And, um, you know, and if that dream and that passion is, is what God put in your heart, you know, the enemy's going to fight you tooth and nail. But he doesn't want you, he knows that once you get into that spot, you know, you're going to come alive. Right. You're going to affect and right. influence a lot of different people. He doesn't want that to happen. 
sure enough, we, uh, we faced a, a lot of challenges in hoping that almost crippled us, mm-hmm. almost made us stop from a financial perspective. And on top of that, you know, something else was interesting that happened. You know, everybody was telling us, telling me, you know, what a mistake I was making. The enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Lies. Yeah. You know, lies. And, you know, especially when we started running out of money and, you know, people trying to put two and two together. You left a career as a president of a, you know, a large company, healthcare company, to do this. Yeah. And you don't know what you're doing. You've never done it before. Sure. You're 40-something years old and you got two kids and schools and mortgage and this and that. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And then, then all the experts in the industry. And this is really something. You know, the experts start telling you, you know, it's a terrible location and we're going to serve risk it. And this is when Smoky Bones was on their downturn. And they blamed it on regionalization of barbecue. And mm-hmm. So here I am in the middle of the southeast, you know, serving brisket as my lead item, which you know, no one was doing at the time. Right, it was right. all pork. And, um, you know, making people go through a line, um, changing service style, making people sit at picnic tables with people that they don't know, you know <laughs> actually building a communal environment, you know, just failed over and over and over. And you really got to make a choice at the end of the day. You know, what you listen to and what you believe. Right. And, um, and uh, you know, not giving in to that and just staying true to that purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this, though, and reflection, you know, it was those challenges that, I, you know, I'm just talking about me, I'm talking about our original team, that we went through because it was so challenging. Quite frankly, that's what galvanized us as a team. Brought everybody that, together. That ultimately defined the culture of the company. And that, that culture is one, it is a dedication to the mission that we're going to fight for. And two, it's, it's a belief that we can overcome any challenge that we come across because we work, we've done it. That's right. We've gone through it together. You know, as long as we keep the mission part forward you know, and, and keep that on our hearts, you know, I think we'll continue to grow. Um, because you know, it, it comes back to your, your purposes, you know, what you're doing. And think about it, in the beginning, we didn't set out to open a restaurant chain. Mm-hmm. You know, we set out to build a business that was going to help people, you know, give them jobs and create incomes and, and create money that we could give back to the community and help people out there. And quite frankly, it's not always money that's know, right. you give to help people. Well, that, well, that talking about culture and purpose, uh, 14 locations now 13 years later if my if my numbers are right oh from those from the from yeah. the phone call yeah from the phone, from phone call right. to now we, so we sit here in 2018 uh 14 uh locations for four rivers is that correct yes my math right yeah the coop, <laughs> the coop we mentioned uh-huh. the cantina uh and it all started with this with this you said your vision was uncovered, your purpose was kind of realized during yeah. this time, and you didn't know you'd be here one day. No. So what? So talk about, the, uh, in the midst of this growth, this enormous growth, how you, um, sitting at the top, have casted that vision constantly and kept that culture so special within restaurants that now go as far as Atlanta. You know, it's so funny, the, the visual that you just created, um, casting it on top. Mm-hmm. I think part of the success we've had is we don't look at it that way. Um, every one of our senior team members, and I have to be the one that leads it by example, will be the first ones to pick up a broom, the first ones to hop in the back when the dishwasher's not here. And, you know, but it starts with them. 
It starts by example. I do very much believe that an organization and all the people in the organization, you know, they follow the shadow of the leader. So what the leader does, how they respond to situations, how they stay calm, um, decisions that they make. I think that very much sets the tone for everybody. So, and we, as a leadership team, we do a book study uh, every Monday. Uh, we read a different book as a team, and then every Monday we get together and we take apart a chapter. And the books are very intentional. Uh, we started with Love Works by Joel Mammy a couple years ago, which really helped change and define our culture because it, it allowed us and gave us the freedom and the confidence to use the word love when we talk about each other right, and about right. our company. And we've done some other great ones, the Generosity Factor by Kim Blanchard. We'll add a link to each one of those in the podcast show notes if people are interested in that may. Yeah. Great books. And just what a great way to bring the team together. You know, because you can you can teach, go do this. You know, but as you're if you're learning it and going through that journey together, everybody has ownership and understanding of it. So well, and you can say things and you can do things, right? Yeah. And I know you wouldn't mention this today as we talk, but as soon as I walked in to sit down and have this conversation, you were behind the line, you were cooking, you were there with your team, and and I've I've seen that at different times that I've visited your restaurants, and it's not just something you say, it's something that you and your leadership team do on a constantly, constant basis. Well, I, I wish I wish I could do it more often. <laughs> that, that's still where I find my happiness, you know, cooking and being with the team. Right. Unfortunately, someone's got to run the business. <laughs> yeah, understood. So office time has increased more than I like. Well, you've always given tribute to, to God, to your faith, and... I think that's I think that's awesome. I, I'm at fault with this as a business leader, uh, where I'm not oftentimes bold enough in my faith. It's something I constantly pray about as far as my leadership and you, um, Chick Fil A, you know some of the leaders in, in food, and there's there's other businesses too that that uh, put that as part of one of their core. Uh, beliefs within mm-hmm. their company. So, how would you, how do you, or how would you encourage other business owners and leaders to lead boldly in their faith? Sure. Um, and that, you know, with the political pressure we have now on both sides of the aisle and doing things politically correct, you know, as believers, as Christians, we've got to put that aside. Not that you want to hurt other people right. in the process, but right. we are. We're supposed to be warrior-like in our in our faith, yes. in our ministry. Yes. You know, there's, there's a few pieces to that. You don't wake up overnight and all of a sudden you have that courage. Right. You know, I remember the first time back in 2009 we were just opening and I'm on camera and the reporter's got the microphone in my face and she says, so tell me, why are you close on Sundays? And, you know, there was a stagger. Um, you know, I eventually said it, but it, it, you know, it took me a while to get that courage. And then after that, it really, it, it really sat on my heart. Mm. Of, you know what? I can't do that. You know, this is, and it, it wasn't that my feeling or my belief was any different, but it was my courage mm-hmm. uh, to profess it. And at the end of the day, I said, you know, this is who I am. You know, and and can't try to be somebody else. Can't hide it. You know, and quite frankly. There's a key piece to it that you don't force it on anybody. 
you know. That's, and that's you know, so, so important. Oh, goodness, yeah. You know, you can't hold, you know, I say a lot of times, you'll never let your religion get in the way of your faith. You know, everybody has a different religion, you know, but the faith is always the same. And you never, you know, you love them all. Mm-hmm. You know, and quite frankly, even uh, we have a lot of folks who are believers, mm-hmm. and you love them too. Because if you don't, then you're living in a contradiction, in that inconsistency. So it really just became getting comfortable with who I am. And quite frankly, and not arrogantly, but just not worrying about, you know, what's going to be, you can't make everybody happy. That's right. But you still love them. You know, that's that's the key thing. Even if somebody doesn't align or agree with my faith, you know, my responsibility is to still treat them with love and respect. And when I do that, I think there's a reciprocating feeling in the community that, okay, you know, he is who he is, but he's not forcing them on anybody. Right. And, and, and more importantly, what that means, what they're saying, they're not making me feel bad or lesser. Mm-hmm. Because of my life. Well, and like Jesus told us, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of all is That's right. love. And you know right? what? And when they don't feel lesser, then they're curious. Then they're going to ask you questions about mm-hmm. what you do believe in. It's when you, they feel put down or lesser, then that's when they shut down the conversation. But how do you turn them away from it? Mm-hmm. Now, so the devotion, the devotional still happen uh, at staff level as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so you guys have that as an optional for yeah. each restaurant location. You've got somebody like a team lead doing that. Is that well, so every it happens in a lot of different places. Okay. Um, at each restaurant, when they do morning shift um, pre-opening, um, the manager, whoever the manager is, is always supposed to ask, you know, are there any prayer requests? And then whoever wants to participate, they say group prayer. And I'll get pictures from time to time. Yeah. I've got one that's one of my favorite. They're all in a circle, mm-hmm. and their arms on each other's shoulders, all facing in praying. And I didn't know a picture was even being taken from that. I thought that was beautiful. At the uh, corporate level, and this is important too, that we have to do it at the top level, because once again, the shadow of a leader, mm-hmm. you know, it's the rest of the company is going to follow what the top does. Right. Uh, every Monday morning at 9.30, we start the week with um, prayer. Um, in our conference room, whoever wants to come in and we talk about the week and what's happening and people's lives in the business. And then uh, every Tuesday at lunch, there's a Bible study. Um, and funny enough, I don't participate in that. Okay. And uh, because I want, you know, sometimes when the leader is there, it, you know, more on this authenticity for sure. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then every big meeting we have. Um, group meeting, company meeting, mm-hmm. uh, we always open up with prayer. So you know, there's 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 constantly ways to do it. Again, without you know, always making it optional. God gives everyone a choice. That's one of the greatest gifts we have. You know, and we got to do the same thing. Right. Right. Also, I think it's very important that companies uh, not of any benefit to themselves being the reason, but just to give back, that they remain involved with community, they remain involved in nonprofit, and that's something that you have always had a special connection with the community, uh, starting with some of the things that you did for um, people to raise money for sickness or an organization, and this was the first year that Jen and I got to experience cows and calves. Oh yeah, right here close to where we're sitting. Uh huh. And I know that was something that you were instrumental in starting. Mm-hmm. So what what does that look like now? What did that look like in the beginning? And and how uh, how do you look at giving back? And, and how do you feel that that is instrumental in your core? Uh, strategy as far as growing and making an impact. It's our purpose. 
you know, there's, there's a difference between looking at it as a action or a marketing mm-hmm. um, or you know, something that we have to be forced to do um, versus just being our purpose. And um, my job is with all of our you know, 1,200 plus team members is to make them realize that when, when they serve a brisket sandwich to a guest, they're not just serving a brisket sandwich, they're changing a life. Mm-hmm. They're making an impact. And I can get the team to look at their actions that way, that it aligns with the purpose. And you get everybody excited about what we're doing and we have a bigger impact. So you know, it is, you know, it's, I can't go into the extent of how much it is our purpose. Um, it, there have been years that, you know, that outpouring has exceeded our inpouring. Yeah. And uh, I love that. My CFO doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I promised her I wouldn't do that again for a while. <laughs> but um, I love it. You know, that's I get the biggest thrill out of. I still get the biggest thrill out of. You ever sit down at your checkbook and you got all these requests in front of you, and you just write to the edge. Mm-hmm. And you write those checks that oh my gosh, I'm about to run out. And there's a there's a there's a thrill. It's like a giddiness. You know, like you don't know how it's going to come in behind it, but you know you just kind of know that it is. Uh, it's kind of like that Santa Claus feeling, you know, you get to be the yeah, giver. Yeah, that's right. I, I kind of love it, you know, because I do it, and um, you know, and um, it's just, just like, okay, God, show up, you know, and He does. And it's, it's pretty dang cool. So that, that it's that's at the very core and essence of who we are, mm-hmm. and um, I pray it will always be. But quite frankly, I think it's you know, as long as we keep. Our purpose at our core will we'll continue to be blessed with forever. You brought up something I think is very interesting just a few minutes ago about not letting religion get in the way of your faith. Mm-hmm. And I think a great example is some of the things like Pulse and some other events that have happened in the community yeah. that you've said, we're going to be open someday. Yeah. And who comes in here that's going to be a, a fundraiser, 100% is going to this cause or this group. Absolutely. That, I think, is a prime example of Yeah. Religion, yeah, not getting in the way. If you think about it, where most of the rules that come from in our religious society is from doctrine, from you know, from churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, churches are what built our faith and religion over the years, and, and I'm still very much in favor of that. But at the end of the day, you know, Jesus was healing people on Sundays. <laughs> you know, and they didn't like him for that, right? He did, and it kept kept the purpose and the primary position. You know, his priorities were right. You know, I'm here to help other people and to love other people. And it doesn't matter if they were Jewish. It doesn't matter if they were a prostitute. You know, he's going to love them just the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the example that we have to follow. And you know, and, you know, that's why there's you know a lot of different organizations that we support, whether they line up with our religion, you know, or our personal preferences. God still tells us to love them, especially when they're hurting. You know, and that that day, that Sunday, what was it, three, two years ago? Uh, 2016. 2016. July or August, that that day still remains one of my favorite days as a company. Um, Because it was so beautiful. The community showed up. You know, and what was cool about it, it wasn't about us. It was about what happened, and it was about healing. Mm -hmm. And we had every walk of life show up, regardless of religion, um, race, or sexual preference. 
and they were all there to support each other. And our team, we had people from our different locations all over the state show up that day right. to serve. And you know, nobody clocked in. You know, Governor Scott was on the line next to me serving on one side, and Mayor Leary from Winter Park was on the other side. You know, it was just, it was, that's, that's the amount of community. people that I'm surprised you run out of food earlier. It was crazy. <laughs> I know. Crazy how much. We did like $40,000 in like four hours. Wow. And it was hotter than wow. anything. And I don't, don't forget, there was a line. Sure you know, there was. Huge, all the way down the parking lot. And not a single person was coming. Not a single one. And uh, that was a beautiful day. And that, to me, that was the embodiment of our purpose. This is why we're here. You know, it's not just to serve, you know, elite, religious, you know, ex, you know, race people, you know, to show love for, you know, to Reverend. be that catalyst to pull the community together. That, that's our purpose. That's perfect. So what, what are you looking forward to right now? Are there any new pro- projects on the horizon? Oh I know gosh. we've talked about, you know, the cantina and, you know, some of that new stuff, but is there anything that you're, like, you know, super passionate about right yes. now? Yes. Yeah, our foundation, um, we're in the midst right now, I don't know if you know this or not, we're in the midst of building a huge 40-acre farm right here in, in Central Florida. Um, Dr. Phillips? I read something briefly on it the other yeah, day. Yeah, we haven't made a public announcement quite yet. But um, Dr. Phillips has been kind enough to donate um, 40 acres to us, which is John Young Parkway. It's the southern tip of the um, uh, packing district project that right, we right. the revitalization. This is actually a project I've been working on for three years with Orange County Public School with Barb Jenkins over there. We've already funded um, Okoe High School. Okay. We built out an agriculture program there where they're growing 140 pounds of produce per week that goes back in at school. Okay. We're getting ready to break ground on our second one, which is Edgewater High School. And uh, there'll be, be about a year-long you know, development project. They'll be growing and teaching agriculture there. And then um, we partnered with Florida Hospital, and that's my primary partner, and obviously Dr. Phillips, and a lot of other wonderful organizations in the community are coming together. It's a, it's a huge, you know, thirty-five million dollar project that we're doing. We're building an agricultural center uh, to teach kids and local farmers how to farm with the newest techniques. Um, we'll be a production center for growing produce. It's going to go back into that's the Orange County so Public School. And it's a community gathering place so people can come and gather and or celebrate the community and learn about agriculture. And, um, I couldn't, you know, if, if business wasn't in the way <laughs> and keeping my attention, I would be 100% uh, in. Just immersed in that. Oh, I get so excited about it. And, um, uh, and, and the, the reason, part of the reason that I'm excited, part of the reason we're doing it, Monica and I, we, my wife, we prayed about you know, what could we build. Because it's, it's nice to do all these little things mm-hmm. for people, but that doesn't continue when we're gone. Okay, and how do you establish a program and roots so that the giving far exceeds our existence? Yeah, our legacy. Our, yeah, it's the legacy behind it. And uh, this is what we came up with. That, once we have this built, and we built it on a model, I call it a reverse demand model, mm-hmm. that we aggregated, I aggregated $13 million of aggregated purchases per year from our produce to Florida Hospital's produce to the school's produce. Mm-hmm. As long as we just keep buying what we're buying today, we buy it from the farm. Not only are we going to create the sustainability for the sure. farm, but we're going to create profits 
we call them um, our tomato ties. <laughs> Those profits we're putting back into the community to help continue to feed the people who need food, you know, and, and build farms and you know create farmers market for you know, snapped um, you know, folks in our community. There's so much that, that you know. It's so amazing. Uh, I serve on the Boys and Girls Club board here, and it's. It's saddening every time you hear the sheer numbers of kids that outside of school, they don't have a meal. So during school hours... One in six. Right. One in six in Orange County Public School live in food insecurity. That means that they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Can you imagine growing up in that? You want to know what makes you crazy? You have all these, these are just kids, okay? And then you got the adult population on top of that, okay? And all these people in Central Florida, okay, who don't eat properly, who don't have access to food, and at the same time, you ready for this? There's 978 million pounds of excess produce in the state of Florida per year, okay, that gets burned or put in the landfill. Mm. So you have all these people that are hungry have all this excess that's being wasted. And that's part of our mission is to connect those two. So on top of the farm, we're building a distribution center. We're working with Second Harvest and Dave Krepko and those guys over there to teach us how to do it so we can distribute all that excess food. Well, at the point this podcast is, goes live, there'll probably be some other information right at that time that we can put up for people or is that... We're probably about six months out from, you know, okay. um, making a formal public announcement. But, yeah, you can put it down. Okay. Okay. So be on the lookout. Okay. Be on, <laughs> on the lookout, indeed, yes. These are just some, I, I told you before we started, I like to end with just some lighter, lighter topics, some of which uh, the majority of people might not have heard before. Maybe they have. Uh, and I'll let you kind of run with each one however you'd like. We talk about failure. In life, and when we're younger in life, we maybe not know, you know, we don't know how to deal with failure. But do you have a favorite failure of yours, and how has that led to success? Oh my goodness gracious! A favorite failure? I, I don't think I've ever been asked that. There's a lot of failures, that's for darn sure. You know, but I'm, I'm a big believer that in order to grow, you have to make mistakes. You know, and if you're just doing everything right the whole time, you know, you're you're not expanding your horizons whatsoever. So. Goodness gracious, there's mistakes that are made constantly. Um, I had to think about a favorite one and the lesson that's learned from that. That's okay. What about this? This one kind of ties to that as far as uh, how uh, how you maybe have dealt with either you know when you get through a time in your life where uh, you might be overwhelmed unfocused do you have something that you turn to is there a practice or a tactic that you use when you've when you become overwhelmed with a project or something yeah. at hand yeah yeah there's, there's two things one is a daily you know, um, routine to attack that and that's I'm, I'm an early riser you know I'm at 4 30 or 5 just unfortunately naturally every day right and uh, so my quiet time in the morning is key um, where I do my my prayers my devotions I've got a little book it's a combination of um, psalms and proverbs, and I'll go through that a couple times a year. I'll read one psalm, you know, or, or you know, one book of proverb, and um, I do my my meditation and prayer on that. And you know, one practice I've learned that's been very effective is I'll take my calendar for the day, sure, and um, I'll pray on every meeting I'm going to have. Mm, that's and, such a good idea. And I ask God for intervention and direction and leadership mm. and words in those meetings. 
Now, that doesn't mean that there's not times of overwhelming. Um, you know, I like nature. That's where I find my peace. Mm-hmm. You know, I do walk. I try to walk every day, uh, two to three miles, and that's mm-hmm. my peaceful time. But if it ever does get overwhelming, which of course it does, um, you know, I'll do typically retreat either to the beach, you know, or you know, or sometimes I've gone up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. But you know, a couple of days at the beach for me, when I turn everything off and just be able to walk, you know, right, with Monica right. in particular, that has really helped me. Um, and that's part of the answer too, is, is you know, having that um, companion, you know, that is so trusted, mm-hmm. you know, be able to tell you sometimes things that you don't want to hear. To have a partner like that in your corner is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're she's, both she's to have that for sure. Yeah. She's the only one in this world that can say certain things to me. Yeah. You know, be it from courage or be yeah. it from perspective. Yeah, right, right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> What about any uh, weird habits? Oh, gosh. Yeah, Does John have any weird habits that somebody might not know about? I should ask Monica about that. She says I constantly make noise, you know, of some type. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm either tapping, you know, I'm humming, I'm whistling. Just when you sleep, I, she says, I hum. I, you know, I don't snore, I hum. I make noises constantly, you know, you know, beating on a table or something. You know, that, that's that's one that makes her kind of crazy, I think. Um, gosh. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> You've already kind of said if, if there's anything to add to it, I think it'd be fun. But how do you define happiness? And what do you feel your purpose is here on Earth? You know, I always uh, say that there's three things you get out of work. Uh, your actions, your career, what you're doing. And one is you're, you're working because you're learning. You know, you're progressing toward a goal or to an outcome or position or just for the sake of learning. Um, number two, what you do on a day-to-day basis because you're passionate about it. You believe in what you're doing. And number three, you know, you're doing it on a day-to-day basis because you're making an income. You know, you're taking care of your family. You're doing things. Now, there's some times in your life you know, that you're blessed that you go through different seasons where you have all three that are hitting at the same time. Right. And I always tell people, hold on to that time. Momentum. Yeah, because that is, that's wonderful. For the rest of the time, most of us, you know, it's either two of them or potentially one of them. And I will say that if that one is not because you're learning mm-hmm. and you're progressing, it's not because you're passionate, but it's only because of you're making money, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter, you know, how many hours there are, you know, even if you're never going to fill that hole, that void that's in there, you know, that true happiness comes, you know, when your actions are lined up with your passions, and those passions and those actions are doing good in the community, I, I really do believe that, and, and if you told me that before I became president of the company, I would have laughed at you, that was my goal, and I actually had to get into that position to realize how miserable I was. But I think God got me to that point of being miserable. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Take a look. Fine. Here it is. You know, before He opened up the door, you know, and He opened up the opportunity for us to start our barbecue industry. I don't think that step could have gone from A to C without going in that step B of that misery. Of gosh, this really stinks. Yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, how can we? Uh, how can we and the listeners stop by and say, "Hey, what what social media channels are you most active on?" We'll obviously put links to your websites and things like that. But how do we stop by and say, "Hey, and follow what's going on in John's world"? 
You know, I think they're most active um, on uh, Instagram. Okay. Um, you know, the company's mm-hmm. Instagram, um, and then I, I have my own. Okay. You know, and, um, you know that's, that's typically what we're using right now to get information out to people. Perfect. That seems to be really the easiest of folks to follow. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm so grateful that you blocked out a little bit of time today for this conversation. Pleasure. Thank you very much. I absolutely enjoyed it very much, Eric. Hey, it's Eric again. I'm grateful that you spent a few minutes with me today during the conversation with John, and I hope that you were either inspired by or learned something throughout our conversation uh, in this episode. Again, I'll be including some of the links to John's social media website and other information that John referenced throughout the show. And as always, I would be super grateful if you would subscribe to and share the Activate podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Mm-hmm.